God bless you. It's good to be back again with you today. Thanks so much for coming today. Would you open in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3? And that's where we're going to be today. We're going to be studying and focusing on verses 9 through 15 today. We'll also put those verses up here in the video for you, just to make it easier for you to follow along. I'd like to talk to you today about building on the foundation. You know, in the book of John, in chapter 3, a Jewish leader of the Sanhedrin High Court for the Jewish people came to Jesus one night. His name was Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus had seen firsthand many of the miracles that Jesus had done, and no doubt he had also heard about other miracles from other people. And Nicodemus reasoned that nobody could do those miracles like Jesus was doing unless God was with them, unless God had sent them. So Nicodemus wanted to know more about Jesus. He decided to go and talk with Jesus personally. And in that conversation that they had one night, one of the first things that Jesus said to Nicodemus was that no man could enter the kingdom of heaven unless he was born again. Jesus went on to say then that being born again meant believing in Him as the Messiah and the Lord, who had come to take away the sins of mankind. Jesus explained that when someone believed in Him, that person would be given a new life and would be saved from judgment and be allowed to enter the kingdom of heaven at the end of their life on earth. Now, when you were saved, you gave your life to Jesus Christ. You believed on Him. But you didn't just get your ticket to heaven. No, there were other changes also set in motion in your new life. Seeds were planted. Your heart was changed. God's Holy Spirit took up residence in you. You were born again into an entirely different new kind of life. And just like when you were born into this physical life, there would be things that you would be learning as your new life went on. When you were born into your physical life, you learned a lot of new things, didn't you? You learned how to feed yourself. At first, it was just holding that bottle. Sometimes you missed this side and this side. But then later, you progressed to solid food. Then you learned how to talk. You learned how to walk. Some people say, well, you spend the first year and a half teaching that child how to talk and walk, and then you spend the next 18 years teaching them how to sit down and shut up. <laughs> but seriously, there's things that you had to learn. You had to learn how to treat people, what was right and what was wrong. You had to learn that the behavior of your parents was that the model that you were to follow and learn from. In the same way, after being born again, there's things that you need to learn about your new life as well. You're learning about the kingdom of God, though, this time, the values your heavenly Father has, and how to love Him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And you were learning to love others as you would your own self, how to treat other people as you would have them treat you. That's the things you need to be learning in your new life, that's the things you need to be focusing on. Notice that most of that centers around loving people and loving God. Here's what I'm saying. Being born again into your new life is just the start. After that new birth comes the new life. 
that new birth is a starting place. It's a springboard to go from there into life. It's a foundation upon which your new life will be, will be built. And just like you need to grow in your spiritual life, physical life, you need to grow in your spiritual life. Just remaining a baby in your new life would not be normal, would it? In fact, it'd be sad. Like babies progress, they learn to talk and they learn to walk, then run, and then text. No, just kidding. And if after a while you haven't grown and matured in your spiritual life, it would also be considered sad because new life is followed by new growth. And after being born again, you need to be focused on building on that foundation of your new life. But you need to know that there's a right way to build and there's a wrong way to build. That's what our scripture today is about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 9 through 15, it says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, Paul says, the Apostle Paul, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another builds on it. But let each one heed how he builds on it. Verse 11 then continues, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. Because the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work, what sort of work it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, in other words, lasts through the fire, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. Now, let's just mention that last part of that real quick. He said in verse 15, If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And I want to use this opportunity to clarify that when you are saved by Jesus Christ, you are no longer depending on works to enter into God's kingdom because your righteousness is not being used at all. God's not looking at your righteousness and your record of sins and goods and wrongs done. He's looking at the record of His Son, Jesus Christ, which is flawless, perfectly righteous, no sin at all. That's a good thing. That's the righteousness. By putting the blood of that blemish-free lamb on the doorposts of our heart, God will pass over us in judgment when He sees that that blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, covering our sins. He sees us as perfectly righteous. In all of our sins, in all of our shortcomings, God sees us as perfectly righteous. But the kind of works and building that he's talking about today in these verses in 1 Corinthians 3 is not so much for salvation, but instead it's works that you should be doing because you're now part of God's family. They're not works designed to get you into heaven. And by doing the wrong works, you can't stay out of heaven, but you'll be humiliated. You'll be shamed at that time in heaven. Even though you're allowed to be in heaven, you'll be shamed because other people 
took their new life seriously, but you didn't, and you never built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and His salvation for you. So you can see, as the Apostle Paul says, care must be taken to build on that foundation wisely. That foundation is not a place to store your junk. It's not a storage area. It's not a place to stack up and hide those ugly sins that you don't want other people to find out about because those sins are going to be found out in heaven. Those things that you're ashamed of don't belong on this foundation that Jesus Christ has established. No, it's a place to build something nice, something beautiful, something lasting. It's a place to put things that are going to complement the beauty and the eternal nature of that eternal foundation in Jesus Christ. Now these verses that we read say that the foundation is Jesus Christ Himself. It's because of Him that we have this new life. So you need to build on that foundation with the things that are about Jesus Christ. You need to build on that new structure with things that honor Him. And since the foundation is eternal, you'll need to build with building blocks that are also eternal. And not with wood, hay, and stubble, things that can be easily destroyed, mere temporary things. You need to build with things that endure, things that last. Now in building on the foundation of your new life, there's some things that you'll need to do, and then there's things that God will do. Let's cover those basic building blocks that you'll be using and building on the foundation of Jesus Christ and your, your new life, salvation in Him. First thing you need to know is you can use the building block of God's Word. One of the main things that you'll need to build with is the Word of God. The building blocks found in the Word of God are many and they're strong, enduring the test of time. Just like the foundation itself, the building blocks of God's Word are eternal. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. When you add the things of God's Word to your foundation, you're building wisely. You're putting together a structure that'll endure one that will not pass away when you leave this physical life to take up residence in your heavenly life, but one that will be carried over into eternity. That's the kind of things that you're building when you use the Word of God to build building blocks for your foundation as you build that structure of that dwelling of your new life. And the Word of God itself is the blueprint. It's the master plan. For everything else that will be built on that foundation, it tells you how to do it, gives you the wisdom, it tells you the things that go on to the foundation, the things that don't. The foundation of your new life will be strong with the Word of God. It'll be eternal because it's the Word of God which is matching strength to the everlasting foundation that you're building upon. The foundation of Jesus Christ and the building constructed with God's Word will endure forever. It's a living dwelling that's everlasting. The Word of God teaches you true wisdom. For every situation you'll ever face in life, there's an answer in the Word of God. And it teaches you to trust in God. With these teachings, you'll be prepared for anything that comes your way. So in the house that's being built, 
there'll be wisdom and there'll be safety because the Word of God will be in that house and God Himself will be in that house. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 138 verse 2 that God honors His Word above all of His name. So when you build with the Word of God, you will cause that building to endure and honor God. So seek the wisdom that comes from God. Spend time reading His Word. Be inspired by the things that He's done. Look at His example throughout the Bible. Discover the things that are in His heart, the values that He holds. You're His child and you're going to want to grow up to be like Father, to have the same kind of heart as He has. And then learn the prophecies in the Word of God the things that will be coming to pass, the things that have already been spoken of and have already come to pass. Start looking forward to the promises of the Scriptures. Look up, be expectant, waiting for His coming, waiting for the things that He's going to do, not only on the world uh, set, but on your own life itself. The second thing that you'll need for building a proper foundation on the Word of God is to build using prayer to God. God will build your faith as you spend time with Him. Let your faith grow as you consider His faithfulness, His care, His promises. Remember what you prayed for and the answers to those prayers that you're seeing today. Remember faith is not something you can work up from feelings or emotions. So many people make that mistake. But faith comes from God. That's what the Bible says. It comes from spending time with Him as you see who He is, as you see His power, as you see the things that He likes to answer in prayer and the things that He will not give you because they're bad for you. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not of yourself. But it's the gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. So you see, faith doesn't come by emotion. You can whip yourself into an emotional frenzy and think, oh, God's got to bless me now because I'm just so in the Spirit. I'm so excited. I'm dancing around. And, and you think that that's the Holy Spirit. But faith comes not from your own works. It says it right there. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So what are you doing trying to work up all that faith? Trying to whip yourself into a frenzy? Trying to get all emotional, jumping up and down? Why don't you just rest in the presence of God and see what He will do in your life? It's the gift of God. He's giving it to you as a gift. Don't try to make it in your kitchen. You can't make faith in your kitchen of emotion. Remember that. Faith comes by spending time in God's presence and by considering the stories of what He's done for others in the Bible, considering who He is, what He's like, how much He loves you. When you see these things and you have time to consider, and by the way, if you take time to consider it. Set aside time every day to consider it. You'll see how much He cares for you. Faith comes by seeing God's faithfulness. 
in times of trials as well. You consider how He's helped you in the trials gone by, in the trials of the past, and it inspires faith in you today that will help you for the things that you're facing now. Live expecting to see God's hand move every day. I want to talk to you about this. What I said just now, I'm going to repeat. Live expecting to see God's hand move every day. I want to tell you about when I was a teenager in Texas, growing up in Texas. We had lakes all around the little town that I lived in, in East Texas. And we would practice fishing in our backyard. You say, well, how can you do that? How can you practice fishing in your backyard where there's just grass and dirt? Well, it's easy. We'd put a bucket over there across the yard and we take our little spin cast rod and reel and we had a little piece of rubber, a little thing called a practice plug. It was kind of like a lure, but it didn't have hooks on it. We had that on the end of the string and we would throw that over there and see how close we could get to that bucket. And then if you're really good, you would get that little practice plug in that bucket from so far away all the way across the yard. And that's how we would practice fishing because when we went fishing and we're out in the boat, we might come up on the shoreline and there would be these trees in the water and there'd be these branches overhanging into parts of the water. We know from experience as fishermen that that's a place where fish like to hide. They'll stay in the shade of that tree underwater in the cool water instead of getting out in the hotter water in the middle of the day. And so it was important that you could get close to those branches without getting your lure caught in those branches. You had to get under those branches. So you had to be very accurate and able to throw that lure and throw that bait all the way over to exactly where you want that lure to be. So we would practice in our own yard. We would do this all week long because we knew that we would be going fishing on two days from then or something like that. So we would practice. It was great fun. And we would make our own lures sometimes and we would gain skills. We would have competitions. My stepdad and myself would have competitions trying to hit that lure in that bucket in that backyard. And then when we went out on fishing day, the time had arrived. Oh, we were excited. We'd get up early in the morning long before the sun got out because in the cool part of the day before the sun was actually up overhead and the waters were hot, the fish would all come into the shore area and the bigger fish would come in there. And that's when you stood the best chance of getting the big fish. But I remember sitting out in that boat and sometimes sitting on the shore by myself. I would sit there and fish all day long. <laughs> now here's the thing. It would be hours sometimes before I would catch something. It would take a long time before I would catch something. And if you would have looked at me, you would have thought, what is he doing? He's crazy being out here all that time. But if you would have looked at me then, you will have noticed I would always have a smile on my face. I was waiting. I knew that at just any moment that fish was going to bite that bait and I'd be able to reel that fish in and I would have caught one of those fish. 
and I'd put them away and I'd go fishing for the next one. And maybe hours later again, it would take hours to catch that next fish. But I was smiling the whole time. I wasn't thinking how long I had been sitting there. No, I had an expectancy of catching something. I knew that at just any second, Ooh, what was that? I think I saw my line move. Ooh, I thought I felt something there. Maybe that's a fish. And I'm playing this over and over again in my mind, waiting anxiously for that time when that fish would bite my line. I'd be able to reel him in. There was a sense of expectancy. In the same way, we need to live life with an expectancy that at any moment we're going to see God move. Just keep eagerly waiting for that moment when that big fish is just going to jump into your boat, when that big fish is going to take and run with your line. Now, it's easy when you're in the midst of that trial, though, to give up and to lose hope. But the Bible in Romans 8:28 promises that God will cause everything we go through to work out for the good. And though it may be hard to see through that fog in the middle of that trial, you can be assured that God is going to lift that haze any moment and that He's going to break through those clouds with His shining light and His radiant glory. And even though you may at times forget the promises of His Word, God never forgets them. His Word is sure, His Word is true, and His Word is faithful. Just lift up your eyes in expectancy and put them on Him. Your answer is on the way. That's what I'm saying. The third thing that you want to build with on this foundation of Jesus Christ and your new life is building on a foundation using the building blocks of fellowship with other believers. That's the one final building block. Fellowship with other believers is what God will use to inspire you and encourage you. You'll hear stories about prayers that God's answered in their lives. You'll hear testimonies of how God saw them through times of trial. And you'll see that God can be depended upon and He can be relied upon. And that's one of the reasons that fellowship is so important. Another is so that you can pray for other people going through trials because you can share your own testimonies of how God came through for you when you were in the middle of that trial. Don't forsake the fellowshipping of yourselves together but use that fellowship as a time to inspire and to be inspired. Build on the foundation that you have using the Word of God, your time in prayer, and fellowship with other believers. So you see now that to build on the foundation of your new life, you need these three things. These are the building blocks in God's master plan for your life. They're the key things that God will use to build the beautiful design that He's planned to raise up on the foundation of His Son, Jesus Christ. Remember that that foundation for your new life is Jesus Christ Himself. Like our verses said today, no other foundation can be set except for Jesus Christ. Without Him, you can't build anything but a heap of garbage. Failed attempts to please God. Oh no, why did I do that? Now that's building on my foundation and it looks just like junk. Futile attempts to please Him through works and stacks of discarded and disappointing selfish goals. Building with anything else other than the building blocks that God has given you will make a structure that can't withstand the storms that you're going to be coming against. 
But building using those building blocks that God provides will make your house strong. The winds of the world can't tear that house down. No earthquake of evil is going to prevail against the house that God establishes because it's established in heaven and it's built, it's blessed by God Himself. If you'll build on that foundation wisely using these building blocks, then God will be with you and keep you and guide your steps. The Lord, the Almighty God, says to you in Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's true. God Himself will order your ways. And He'll guide your decisions. He'll guide your steps and direct your paths as you're building on the foundation of your new life in His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Why don't you give your life to Him today, right now? If you call out to Him, He'll hear that cry, and He'll answer you. He'll rescue you from that darkness. He'll shine His light on your heart, and you'll be given newness of life. He'll change you into a new person, and He'll throw all that bad history away. You'll be completely new, and He will give you everlasting life in the kingdom of heaven. That's guaranteed by God Himself. We want to give you an opportunity today to believe on Jesus Christ as Messiah and Lord. To receive God's peace in your life, you can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment. Just pray something like this. God, I do want to know You and have real peace in life. I believe on Your Son. Jesus Christ is Lord. Please forgive me for all my sins. I give my life to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, God heard you, and He's already started working in your life. Over time, you're going to begin to see the wonderful changes He's making in your heart. Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him and His Word, and talk to Him in prayer every day. He's going to do amazing things in your life. 